the Science Inside podcast. This is the Science Inside. Good evening and welcome back to the very first installation of the Science Inside show for 2019. And I am your host, Bridget Libere. And I'm Lebohang Madisha. And I'm sure you can tell that this is a brand spanking new year. And as you can tell, we have new presenters, me being in question. And we have a couple of new things on the show and as well as new stories around the world of science, tech and innovation. Exciting indeed, and today happens to be the show where we have our host science, uh, we host the feature scientist who is doing amazing work in science research. And yes, very well indeed, uh, we will be speaking to Mpo Chisapungo. She currently heads the South African National Space Agency's Space Weather Center as a space weather practitioner and the space weather center provides an important service of monitoring the sun and its activities by providing important uh, information on space weather forecasts giving us warnings and alerts and environmental data on space weather conditions and how they actually impact the earth but before we get into all of that let's Look at how we, what we have in store today. In our news, we learn about the new discoveries of the Mars rover and also a follow-up on a story that we covered on our last show about a Chinese researcher who had announced that he had made his first genetically modified babies. That's all on the show and please enjoy for today. Yeah. And in our unscience today, we'll find out about... Uh, distinguishing things, uh, disgusting things rather, but something which uh, may save mankind in the long run someday. And this is protein made from feces. And yes, you did hear this, right? It is feces that we're talking about. And But before we go into all of the nitty-gritties of the show today, right? We have just a bit of a twist, right? Because we usually do um, the 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 news between ourselves. So today we have Masibulele Lunika who will be uh, reading the news for us today. So what do we have in store? Uh, news making headlines. Uh, NASA Curiosity rover makes unexpected discovery on Mars Mountain. Uh, students present data science projects that address service delivery problems. And uh, as you heard, the CRISPR uh, baby scientist has been fired uh, by his university over the gene editing um, uh, experiment. Good evening, I'm Masibule Lunega with the Science News Inside. This week's Science Headline. Uh, NASA's Curiosity rover makes unexpected discovery on Mars Mountain. Uh, for more than four years now, NASA's Curiosity rover has been exploring Mount Sharp, located within an ancient meteor impact uh, crater known as Gale, and rising more than three miles high. Now, measurements of uh, tiny changes in gravity recorded by the rover uh, as it climbed in elevation uh, could help solve the question of how, uh, how the mountain formed. Uh, in a new science paper, NASA researchers uh, have detailed how they uh, 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 
uh, repurposed uh, sensors used uh, to drive the Curiosity rover and turn them into gravimeters, which measure uh, changes in gravitational pull uh, that enable them to measure the subtle uh, subtle tug from rock uh, layers on uh, uh, lower Mount Sharp, uh, which rises three miles, five kilometers from the base of Gale Crater and which Curiosity has been climbing since 2014. Uh, the results, it turns out, the density of those rock layers uh, is much lower than expected. Uh, and we look at our second story. Students present data science projects that address service delivery problems. Students who are part of the annual Data Science for Impact and Decision Enhancement, DSIDE, program, uh, which is funded by the Department of Science and Technology, have held, have developed a new dashboard uh, that could provide a solution to the government's service delivery challenges. The dashboard aims to assist with identifying challenges and establishing an early warning system for issues such as service delivery complaints, budget appropriations and expenditures, a 30-day payment and vacancy rates. According to the department, this program aims to solve real-life problems using multiple technical disciplines including uh, computer science, analytics, uh, maths, uh, modeling and analytics. Uh, the idea is to enable government, especially the Department uh, of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation, uh, DPME, which has been tasked uh, to, um, uh, uh, with carrying out this analysis, uh, to tackle issues before they escalate, they escalate into uh, larger problems uh, that could trigger service delivery protests. Uh, the students are part of an annual data science for impact and decision enhancement program funded, uh, as mentioned, by the Department of Science and Technology. Uh, and we look at our, our, our third story, uh, the one that we covered uh, last year about a Chinese researcher uh, who um, uh, has been found guilty by the government of China. Uh, his name is He Jian uh, Kui. I hope I pronounced that right. The scientist announced last year that he had produced the world's first gene editing babies, pro, uh, broke international uh, and uh, sorry, rather national regulations in his controversial work. Consequently, Jiankui uh, has been fired by his university, uh, the Southern University of Science and Technology in Shenzhen, China. As reported by Scientific America, the decision announced on 21 January by the Southern uh, University of Science and Technology in Shenzhen, China, follows a report of findings from an investigation uh, into his work uh, uh, by provincial health authorities. Uh, a, probe, a probe rather, by the um, Guangdong Health Ministry found that he broke national regulations against using gene editing for uh, reproductive purposes. Uh, Chinese state media agency Xiang Huai uh, reported this on the 21st of January. Uh, recapping your top stories for this hour, uh, He Njang Kiwi, who announced last year that he had produced the world's uh, gene-edited babies, uh, first gene-edited babies, was found to have broken national regulations in his controversial work. And uh, pioneering a new milestone in Mars, scientists have discovered rather a way to measure uh, um, mountains in the, uh, in the planet. Now, Masi, we've covered the story last year and much of our discussion was around the ethics behind the story, which is, which is normal considering that a lot of these scientific experiments do sometimes compromise human life or don't take it as seriously as they should. It's not really shocking to hear the story as many have already had their concerns about this experiment. I mean, we are talking about people's lives after all, right? 
Yeah. Um, so I'd like to hear, uh, sorry, um, uh, so it's funny, I mean, you said that because, uh, uh, and it's precisely why we thought uh, the story needed more uh, more debate because ethics and science are a big concern, uh, it seems, uh, because speaking of which, an article uh, by The Economist, uh, I just published recently uh, last week, uh, covers what they call ethics dumping. Uh, and according to them, ethics dumping is the carrying out of researchers, uh, of researchers from the cu- from the country or a country usually rich. Uh, sorry, rather, it's the. Uh, uh, I hope I'm reading it. I'm reading this uh, definition right. Ethics dumping is the carrying out by researchers from one country, usually rich and strict regulations, in another country, usually less well off. Uh, and lex, uh, with uh, relaxer laws of an experiment that would not be permitted at home or of one that might be permitted, but in a way that would be a frowned on. Uh, the most worrisome cases involve uh, medical researchers in, in, in which health and possibly lives um, are at stake. Wow. So we, 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 we can all agree, everybody in this room can agree that science is very important, but I don't think it is to the detriment of the people who, are, who, who it's done onto. And the case being in point, um, uh, when we talk about this issue, there is also a video on YouTube by a channel called Top Fives about the five most disturbing and most unethical human experiments that have been um, carried out on actual on actual people, and it's quite shocking to hear that stories like this do actually continue. And we need to hold the people who carry such things out to account. Definitely, people need to take responsibility for such actions. Sure. Uh, wow, 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 wow. Uh, this is really amazing. I'd love to uh, hear more from our listeners um, what they think about these topics. Uh, uh, the ethics behind science. Science is a crucial part of our lives and many times, you know, there's, there's strict regulations are uh, 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 um, a barrier to a, a lot of research that is being done. So when you, when you get to the question of uh, uh, it affecting human beings and actual lives, uh, then we, we, we get to, to question it a bit more. Um, so our second story, um, uh, we were looking at the story of, uh, of Mars and scientists having discovered uh, that uh, uh, the, the, the rover that has been called the Curiosity rover that has been roaming Mars for the past, uh, uh, since 2014, has discovered uh, uh, as they have actually used it to actually uh, uh, determine uh, the size of the mountains there. Yes, and that's actually uh, positive news because now it helps the human race and they've taken it a step forward uh, so that we can know about Mars and the scientific world and what's going on around there. Uh, yes, so uh, this is this this actually this discovery that's been done by these scientists uh, actually means that uh, the human race, you know, has taken one more step to knowing more about Mars. And as we all know, the planet, it, it, which is approximately five point four uh, five fifty four rather fifty four point six million kilometers from Earth, is uh, its primary objective uh, when it when it was being explored was to find if it could actually uh, uh, support life and whether humans can ever live there and you know um, 
in in the case of our planet uh, our planet uh, becomes uh, inhabitable due to a, a number of reasons uh, so using some creative analysis methods these guys can now tell us the size of the mountains and that is that is quite amazing indeed it is and according to mars one after the earth mars is the most habitable planet in our solar system due to several reasons actually uh i'll just name a couple of them and its soil it it contains water that we can extract it's not too hot or cold up there in mars and there's enough sunlight to use solar panels and the gravity on mars is actually 38 percent that of our earth so this is believed to be sufficient to allow the human body to develop and adapt to it sufficiently and this is good because a lot of the time uh space exploration brings up the question as to how we would morph according to the gravity that exists outside of our earth and the atmosphere on mars uh, offers protection from cosmic and sun radiation the day-night rhythm is very similar to ours on earth so that wouldn't change our sleeping patterns much we wouldn't become zombies overnight a mars day is approximately 24 hours and 39 minutes and 35 seconds yeah so i think we should call mars uh, earth too <laughs> yeah, maybe you should. Well, um I wouldn't really <laughs> I wouldn't really put it that way because I think, you know, we were put on this earth for a specific reason True. and the person or whatever entity that placed us on this earth knew why they were placed why we were actually placed here because I mean, we ruin our own planet earth just so that we can run off to some distant planet that we don't really know much about. Scientists say we know much about about it but nobody has ever really lived there and we don't we still don't know really what is is out there that's true we don't know uh, what space has to offer i guess the real the real core of science is discovering the unknown so Mm. (laughs) changing the laws of uh of uh of nature is part of as part of uh, yeah playing around putting some strings (laughs) in nature you know trying to see how far we can go i mean look how far we've come by evolving and evolving yeah. discovering um, and inventing new things but I'm still not excited about <laughs> moving all the way to Mars I mean I can just imagine how much it would cost though like one ticket to, one Mars. to Mars you'd yeah. have to pick which family member is more important like ah no uh, you don't generate much income you're not going there <laughs> yeah. gotta leave us broke out here and yes and and, th- and that is the point I mean yeah. we have to we have to really look after the resources that we have mm. take care of the planet the f planet earth that, that we've been have. placed on i mean instead of seeking new planets mm. yeah and we, we haven't done anything to us actually we just throwing rubbish <laughs> everywhere we are polluting <laughs> the air i mean we are the we are the only species on this earth that really <laughs> that we really keep on destroying yeah. it so yeah that is true mm-hmm. and well um later in the show we we will find out about other things but uh yes um you didn't give us uh, the um, your sources for uh, the news yes uh, we got our sources for uh the this week's news from scientific america a uh, very uh, reliable and reputable um uh, a news organization and the economist which uh, also is quite uh, reliable there's some really interesting stories okay um, so and, um, nasa also shared uh, some interesting details about the rover, uh, the Curiosity rover, uh, as well as the citizen. Thank you. 
Okay, thank you. That was all from the Science News Desk. And then you can catch us next week for um, the riveting news from the world of science. And next up, we find out from our feature scientist, Mpo Chisapungo, after the break. You're listening to The Science Inside, bringing you science around major news events. Welcome back to the Science Inside. And as I had said before the sh- uh, before the break, we are speaking to a scientist from Sansa, Mpo Chisapungo, uh, from the Space Weather Center. And Mpo is responsible for coordinating and managing the Space Weather Center, as well as ensuring that space weather services reaches its stakeholders, such as those who are in the communication and navigation sectors. For an example, those who are in the defense and aeronautics industries. She's accomplished a lot and she has completed her Bachelor's of Science degree in Mathematics and Physics at the University of Venda in 2006. The following year, she proceeded to do her honors at UCT and now she is currently working part-time towards obtaining her PhD. Hi, Mpo, and a very warm welcome to the Science Inside. Hello, thank you and welcome. (laughs) So, I just have a question here. Now, the Space Operations Division at SANSA is relatively new as compared to other projects in SANSA. Why has there been a need to look at space weather? Um, the, the Space Weather Center in Hermanos, uh, we actually uh, started uh, doing the special weather center or special weather monitoring in 2010 and uh, other divisions have been there existing and we actually became part of the South African National Space Agency in 2011. Um, and the reason why we monitor the space weather uh, conditions is because it has impact on our technological systems. I understand. So how your systems function are directly affected by the weather in space, well, the space weather? Yes. What happens is that um, the the main driver for space weather is what is happening on the sun. So on the sun, we observe things like... uh, we observe solar storms like solar flares and coronal mass ejection. And it's those particles which we observe from the sun, which uh, propagate towards the earth. And then they can interfere with the signals that we are using uh, for satellite communication, for example. So that's why it, it affects our technological systems in a way that we are so dependent on uh, satellite communication and navigation. And those signals, they, they get attenuated up in space uh, because of these energetic particles from the sun. Hmm, truly interesting. Mpo, it's uh, Bridget here. And uh, I read that your division is also responsible for providing uh, this very important information on um, continental scale, uh, meaning in, you know, in, in Africa. Can you talk to us about, about um, what does this work mean for South Africa and for SANSA as an organization? Um, uh, the SANSA or the State Weather 
centre, we have just received a designation. Uh, we have been appointed to be a regional warning centre to provide space weather to the aviation community. Um, and what it means is that we will need to provide the, just like the, the normal weather report which goes on the flight plan, we will also need to provide the state weather information to go also on the flight plan um, for, for the whole region. So now, the latest paper that you worked on was how neural network and linear regression techniques were used to measure the F region of the Earth during geomagnetic storms. What were the findings from this research? Um, the, the main purpose for, for, for this research, I was trying to find a technique or a model that will be able to uh, uh, detect if there is a, 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 a storm, if we are affected in a, in a negative way or a positive way. Uh, we, have, we have what we call the positive ionospheric storm and the negative ionospheric storm. Um, it, it means that if we have predicted, for example, to use a frequency of 10 megahertz today, and then because of a space weather storm, then we have a depleted frequency. That means you will be able to only use frequencies which are less than 8 megahertz, that we call a negative ionospheric storm. It means the frequencies have been uh, depleted compared to what we have uh, predicted. Uh, and uh, this model, uh, what we found out is that, um, or the funding, the findings from this research is that this technique, the neural network and linear regression, they were able to uh, to capture the ionospheric uh, storm response during the geomagnetic storm. Wow. That seems like really um, intense work. Uh, I wish I could say that right now I really grasp uh, everything that you're saying because there's also so many um, technical terms that uh, you are using there. But I also understand that um, you and other people had to travel all the way to Australia to actually learn about this specialized field of, of study. So I, I would like to know... Um, what kind of challenges have you experienced or have you uh, seen uh, in this in this field? Okay, um, actually, when I started, uh, that was in 2010. After my master's, uh, I was offered an opportunity as in a, in a contract position to to be a state weather assistant. And by that time, I knew little about what space weather forecasting is all about. And there was one um, expert in the group, and they they saw a need to send me to Australia to do the training on 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 uh, space weather uh, forecasting and prediction, especially we were forecasting on high frequency communication because that, that has been one of our main forecasts in the Space Weather Center. 
So the, the, the challenge was that it, it was difficult because it was like a group of only two people, two of us at that time, and uh, I was still learning uh, and uh, to be able to have that confidence of sending the information to, to clients was one of the challenges. <laughs> Oh, I really understand. And um, are the professors also who teach this kind of uh, science, are they few in South Africa? Is there a shortage of them? Uh, actually, in South Africa, we we don't have uh, a space for that course, per se. Um, if you want to know about space weather, uh, the only place is in, in Hadmana. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I, and uh, the 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 most of the expertise that we get for stakeholder monitoring, we 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 get them from outside, uh, outside the country, international actually, because uh, even the whole of the African region, they they do space science research like we are doing, but to do space weather forecasting is is it's something that we don't have. Mm, I'm really glad because it seems like soon we'll have uh, our own experts, people like you, um, that we can go to in case maybe I might decide to just leave my radio career and, <laughs> and head into space weather science. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> Definitely an expert that we need to keep close contact with right there. But now, tell us, in terms of the weather pattern changes that we are experiencing right now, what is the extent to which space weather has affected what happens on Earth, according to your research? Um, what, what we have observed in the past, uh, for, for the space weather, they say we have uh, uh, roughly about 11 years solar cycle. So the sun goes to times which is very quiet, sun, and then there will be times which the sun is very active. And we have been seeing these cycles going up and down for for the past 400 years. And then the past, uh, for the few past cycles, uh, it's like the the activity on the sun is actually reducing. We are not uh, seeing that much of the activity like the last cycle was a bit weaker than the previous cycle. The one that has been observed over the past 400 years, that is. Yes, yes, that's the, the, the sun cycle. Oh. But the, the, the most important thing is that uh, we the, the sun has been active, but the, the, the technology that we have been using uh, for 100 years back, it was not so, we, are not, we were not so dependent on, on technology like, like now. Now it's like everything is on satellite communication, uh, mm. navigation, it's like you, internet, everything is using satellite communication and the signals that we are, we are receiving from, from space uh, is passing through these uh, this, uh, conditions which are not so favorable and then it might either attenuate the signal or have a signal delay or, or signal absorption. Sometimes you may find an error if you are doing your, your, your GPS navigation, for example, on your phone, mm. and then 
you your GPS uh, tells you to actually turn right now to your to your left or your right, but you know that you still have to go further 50 meters to turn to your destination. But just because you know that area, then you just ignore the little person who's talking on your GPS phone. <laughs> Uh, but if you the 50 meter error is big enough, if you are using that uh, navigation information for landing, you actually the, the, there is a high chance that the plane can crash if you have you you think you are you are already on the ground, but you are still a bit 50 mm-hmm. meters up. You see, it's quite a, a, a big a big error. Yeah, it can cause a huge, huge error. And this is all because of the activity that is observed on the sun. Yes, it's activity happening on the sun. Mm, very interesting, I have to say. And um, also, uh, Sansa has about 20 aerials that monitor space weather. But what other kind of uh, instrumentation? I mean, um, you're talking to us. We haven't been to your lab. Just give us, uh, you know, like an overview of your of your workspace and the kind of things that uh, you use to, uh, to, co- to come to these deductions about um, what is happening around us. Um. For for, the, for for us to be able to to monitor space weather, um, we 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 need uh, the satellite data. Uh, most of the of the space weather data from satellites, we 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 obtain them from the uh, U.S. Space Agency and the ESA Space Agency. So we use satellite data uh, like to monitor uh, what is happening on the sun to get those images of the sun and look at them and then to look at the space environment between the sun and then uh, very close to us Uh, but now the impact on the ground we have the ground-based instrumentation like um, like GPS receivers for example we can use that data and we have enough of GPS receivers around the country and then we also have what we call the ionosphere which measures the ionospheric properties, the one which is responsible for reflecting the radio wave signal up Um, and then we also have what we call the uh, magnetometers, it's measuring the the, the earth magnetic field and then we can be able to see how disturbed the earth magnetic field is. The reason why we have this uh, ground-based instrument is because the impact of space weather, we have a regional impact. So the impact here in South Africa may be different from uh, the impact or in UK, for example, or in the US or in Australia. But the event which we are looking at is the same event on the sun, but the impact, the significance of the impact differs regionally. That's why we need this regional, uh, this instrumentation, ground-based instrumentation, so that we can monitor uh, how how impacted we are on the ground. 
Oh, all right. I think I've learned a couple of things uh, from chatting to Mpo about this. Uh, but uh, stay listening. Uh, up next, we have Unsigned. But before we go into Unsigned, we just take a little bit of a breather. This is the Science Inside. Welcome back. And it's that time of the show where we go into Unsigned and on Unscience, we look at stranger, the stranger side of research, right? Sometimes it's weird, sometimes it's disgusting, and sometimes it's really wonderful. And we learn a lot about what scientists are spending their money and their time and effort on. And today's Unscience was produced by Masibulele Lunika, and the sound clips are from YouTube. Let's get into it, Masibulele. Unusual. Unlikely. Unscience. I think my uh, my mic had a bit of a problem there. Uh, yes, on science, I think we can all agree on a few things generally and some things need a little bit of uh, mind opening uh, to really uh, see the other side of. But I think uh, some of these researchers, before they shock you, are one of those. Uh, we can all agree that uh, all... All, all, all things that have to do with poop and pee kind of freak us out, and um, uh, that we would never eat it, right? Like you don't ever think of poop in that way or pee for that matter. Uh, well, it seems like we we don't all think the same. You can soon uh, head to Japan or somewhere around that side and get yourself a flame grilled poop steak. <laughs> yep. So according to the Daily Mail. Uh, Mitsui Ikeda, a researcher from Okayama, Okayama Lab- Laboratory, came up with the novel approach to uh, to one of uh, 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 to the ones after Tokyo Sewage, uh, rather, uh, asked him to come up with a way of uh, using the city's waste. The researchers in Japan recently uh, brought the stomach-turning offering to the table by transforming human feces into steak. The request of Tokyo sewage scientists um, investigated practical uses for excess sewage and discovered that they could isolate proteins from the bacteria in human waste combined with carbohydrates and fats and the results could be served as a meat-like substance. Uh, the meat is made from 63% proteins, 25% carbohydrates, 3% uh, lipids, and 9% uh, minerals, uh, according to Digital Trends. Uh, soy protein is added to the mix to increase the flavor, and food coloring is used to make the product appear red. Experts, experts say while it should be possible to make something edible and safe to eat using this method, cooking the steak before consuming it is still strongly recommended. Do me a favor, please. Get out of here. Get out of here. I mean, of course, eating or drinking poor pee doesn't sound appealing to anyone. But with human populations on the rise in many countries, access to clean water and sanitation is a growing challenge worldwide. Now, processing systems such as this one could provide an efficient solution to both problems. And this is according to Bill Gates, whose foundation is is funding the development of the technology. 
So if you don't want to eat steak made from poop, I mean, you could consider having a nice glass of water that was poop once upon a time, right? And not that exciting, but I mean, you could think about it if you're dying or something dramatic happens in your life. Uh, in an innovating uh, processing system called Omni Processing Processor, uh, which heats sewage sludge and separates the liquids as water vapor that is then treated to make it suitable for drinking. And that's not all. Now imagine, imagine a poop sausage. I mean, a poop steak wasn't enough. They had to scale it down for you just to get you started <laughs> with it, you know, give you a little poop sausage. Yeah. This next research, according to The Independent, was published by the journal Meat Science. In the research, scientists have figured out how to use bacteria from baby poop to make sausages that are both delicious and healthy. Now, most people would get grossed out at this. I was at first, but now I'm kind of getting accustomed to it, you know? <laughs> if you think about it, microbes are already being harnessed to produce delicacies like cheese, wine, and beer, and fermented sausages. And baby poop is actually pretty full of these kind of microbes. Now, using cultured poop from babies' diapers, researchers made a type of Spanish fermented pork sausage called fuet. I hope I'm saying it right to all the Spanish speakers out there. And they claim that it tasted really, really good. Awesome. Uh, so if that wasn't freaky enough for you, uh, imagine a brick made out of urine. <laughs> so we covered the story last year uh, and... Uh, urine could be turned into bricks you heard it the study was conducted by a group of researchers um, which included dr dylan randall of uct uh, was the world's first research where human urine was used to make uh, building bricks uh, so scientists mix the fresh urine with lime calcium calcium hydroxide powder uh, strained the liquid and then combined it to, uh, with sand and bacteria which turned the material uh, into cement like substance yeah Uh, the bricks, uh, the bricks uh, um, are sturdy, uh, about uh, about as hard as limestone. Uh, they set a room, they uh, are set at room temperature, uh, so their production does not require a coal or wood burning oven. As the bricks are setting, they do they do exude uh, exude an unpleasant urine aroma, uh, though the smell uh, subsides in about uh, forty eight hours. Uh, so we got. Uh, our unscience today from uh, oh we have actually audio sound that we have sourced from the um, uh, AR sound effects channel on YouTube as well as copyright uh, free music I mean it is kind of cringy cringeworthy rather to think of making food from feces or pee building your house out of pee that's another thing altogether I mean could you? I wonder if the house actually smells like pee itself. <laughs> well, um, yeah, um, because you think about these things, but what comes into mind generally is uh, uh, is yuck. You get grossed out. So. Um, well, that is um, unusual, unlikely, and unscience. Unusual, unlikely, unscience.
This is the Science Inside. You are still tuned to VOW FM and this is indeed the science inside. And as you know, earlier on we were speaking to a space where the Patricia, practitioner, pardon me, and her name is Mpo Chisapungo and she's originally from Chisahulu, a village outside of Tohoyando in Limpopo. She monitors and analyzes space weather events and provides space weather forecasts warning the public and private stakeholders of uh, the things that that, um, may be happening in space which may be actually affecting us here on earth and actually even affecting our GPS signal signals and all of that now we are in that segment of the show where we get, where we get up close and personal and we get to know Mpo a bit more on a personal note and she is back on air with us and uh, Mpo hello welcome back um, so my my question for you is, uh, I'd like to find out really, because I want to get to know you a bit better. I want to know what inspired you to get into this profession, specifically, you know, space weather uh, as a science. Okay. Um, maybe I should start a little bit back when I was still at the University of Venda. Um, doing my Bachelor of Science degree in Math and Physics, uh, actually I didn't know anything about space. <laughs> uh, and at that time, uh, I was only looking for really opportunities that are out there because I was really asking myself, after my Bachelor of Science degree, what next? What is this that I'm going to do? So. I was just looking for opportunities, and I found this opportunity uh, uh, presented uh, at the department, and then I took the opportunity to actually apply uh, for a winter school to come to Hermanas for the first time in 2006. Um, And that's when I started hearing all uh, about the science, and all the different fields in space science. And I got interested because uh, actually uh, it's, it's something which you, you are curious, it's, it's curiosity which, which inspired me to, to enter into the, the, the field of, of space science. Okay. All right, and um, what what keeps you um, motivated? Even you know, on the worst day, like you know, and you're just going through the most on your day at work. What just keeps you going forward? Because now I, I've learned from you that actually, um, space weather science actually found you. <laughs> you didn't really go out there <laughs> searching for a career in space weather science, but um, I, I reckon because now you've come to a place. And to a level where now you're at a, the senior level and people look up to you and now you found yourself leading people. And obviously you love this, uh, this profession that you're in. But what, what keeps you going? Um, it's, it's a bit difficult, but um, the, the motivation sometimes comes in, I really ask myself if, if 
I, I really want to be seen as a failure because if you want to quit, if it's very difficult, it's like you, you want to quit sometimes, but um, you don't want to be seen as a failure. You are already a role model to, to, to some of the, the, young, the young women out there and uh, young black women. So you want to really prove that uh, as, uh, as women uh, who, who were previously disadvantaged, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not that we, we, we can't do it. We can do it. So uh, that's some of the things that uh, keep me going, really. And that leads, me, that leads me into the next question, and that is what kind of challenges do you face in this particular industry and how have you managed to pull yourself to the position where you've been able to hit such an important division? Um, the, the challenge is, um, is uh, because in this, um, in this unit, uh, the special unit that uh, I am in charge of, it, it, it's really all about providing the services to 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 the stakeholders or to the clients and you want to to make sure that they are satisfied and uh the challenges come in if uh you 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 are trying to um to 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 give them the best uh service uh the special service and uh there, there is no. Uh, we are not like coming into agreement on or understanding, or on how we can actually assist them in giving them information so that they can uh, improve their their planning in terms of communication. So it's it's really a challenge, and uh, sometimes you you just have to to ask for advice uh, from your seniors and uh, you, you you come up with a solution. <laughs> Mm, and it's great to to hear that you sound so motivated, not only around you and your career, but about other people as well, the people that you're providing services to. And that's always a great thing in a professional with such an amazing skill as well. Yes. And uh, for our final uh, question, um, Mpo, um, what is the most fulfilling thing about this work that you do? Um... <laughs> I think for me, uh, one of the fulfilling things is that it's satisfying your, your clients, actually. Uh, usually we, we get to engage with just the, the, the project managers, the people high up. But when you, you, you meet with the real users of the information and then they tell you... Uh, what your information, how you, they are using your information and how it is helping them in their, in their planning uh, and they are satisfied. I think uh, that is one of the fulfilling things because you, you, you can't just providing, provide information and actually no one is using the information. That's a bit disappointing. True. But, if you can uh, meet with them and they, they tell you that they are using the information and the information is working for them, 
uh, I think that's one of the, the things that is fulfilling. Wow, thank you so much, Mpo, for your time and speaking to us on the show. It's been really lovely and great having you on The Science Inside. And, yeah, I wish you well on your further research studies and, yeah. Okay, thank you. Thanks. You're listening to The Science Inside, bringing you science around major news events. And looking back on what was on this show, it's been an eventful day, hasn't it been? It has been. I mean, look. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that definitely caught my attention was what we can do with our waste products as human beings, how they can actually just, we can live off ourselves if you really think about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't really think uh, so that much. I mean, like imagine you eat poo just to poo again, and then eat the poo to poo. It doesn't really make sense to I me. I mean, if su- if survival is pushed to the max, I mean, what can we do? <laughs> All right, so. Um, so uh, we had in our news um, a story about Mars rover um, checking out uh, the landscape there and also the Chinese doctor or researcher who had produced his first genetically modified babies and we found out in our news that he's actually um, been fired from his post so that's actually good news because people need to account for their wrongs and um, yes thanks a lot to our guest who was featured featured on tonight's show and today our team behind the scenes is by the production is by Masibulele Lunika Lebu Madisha and tech by Kutwano Serame. And don't forget, you can find our show on podcast at, well, on a podcast at podcastvids.journalism.co.za forward slash science. And you can also find it on iTunes. And don't forget our social media on Facebook and Twitter as at VowFM. The Science Inside is produced by the Vids Radio Academy, funded in part by the South African Department of Science and Technology. And that was it for our show this week. Catch you again next week, same time. The Science Inside, Monday from 6 to 7 p.m. on PowerFM 88.1. The Science Inside Podcast.